Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. Looking for something to do this summer? On days that are too cold for the beach, you could check out some of the hundreds of museums in Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts. Jim Karpachik has been to many of them. He's the co-producer of Treasures Inside the Museum on Rhode Island PBS. His recommendations after a quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Jim Karpachik, co-producer of Treasures Inside the Museum on Rhode Island PBS. Thank you for joining us, Jim. Well, thank you for inviting us to be a part of your, your chat today. So some is here, and visitors will be stopping by some of the museums in Rhode Island. So how many museums have you reported on as part of Treasures Inside the Museum? Well, so far, we've been to over 40 museums, large and small, from a small house museum operated by a single person to large institutions like the Rhode Island School of Design Museum. What made you want to create a show about museums? I've spent years as, as a you know, cameraman working in news and then working independently working in this area. And oftentimes I come back from a shoot someplace and you know, I always start off my first line with, hey, you never guess what we saw today. And I think that there are places that people in Rhode Island and people who visit Rhode Island drive by on a regular basis and have no idea. They have an assumption about what might be in a certain museum, but they really don't know what's inside there. Uh, and that museum will probably not only meet but exceed their expectations if they would take a minute to stop and take a look. Yeah, so not only for tourists to take a look in the museums, but you think some Rhode Islanders don't even know uh, what might be right down the road? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Rough Point is a place where, you know, they tell the story of Doris Duke, and you would expect stories like that in the Newport mansions. You know, but, you know, for a car enthusiast, you know, have you been to the Newport Car Museum over in Middletown. I mean, they have a fantastic collection of old cars. It started off as one individual's personal collection, and he woke up one day and thought about selling the collection, but instead his wife said, why don't you open a museum? Huh. And so he did, and so he's got cars that take us back to the 1950s right up until today. You know, the big fin cars from the 50s when the colors started exploding on automobiles.
automobiles after World War II. And then, you know, racing cars like some of the Shelby racing fleet that came out in the 60s or 70s. And then it progresses. So it's really quite a collection. So whatever you're looking for. That sounds like something my youngest son, Jake, will be into. So is it, do they have any of the sports cars, the Lamborghinis and things like that? There's, there's quite a collection there, a Corvette collection that would surely impress some of the muscle cars from the 60s oh, and right. 70s. Going, there. We're going now. Okay. Um, so uh, what is the most unusual thing you've seen in local museums? Hmm. I always hate those superlative questions because this, the, it depends really on your interest on what might be unusual. I mean, one thing that has been a surprise to a lot of people is a place in Pawtucket called the Electric Magnetic Pinball Museum. And people had no idea that there is a pinball museum. Never mind, it's right here in our backyard. And they celebrate, you know, the history of pinball. A lot of people, for example, don't know that one time it was considered gambling and those machines were illegal until somebody finally proved to people in power that those machines needed skill in order to play. And so as a skill game, it was no longer considered a game of chance or a gambling game. So then they became legal and prolific everywhere. So prior to video games that, you know, our children might be playing with today, this is what people were experiencing some of their free time with. Yeah. You know, I just went there for Father's Day. I'd never been there. And for those who have never been, you know, tell us what's inside that warehouse. First of all, just describe it a bit. It's it's right off of 95, right? Near the U-Haul place. Exactly, right right near you're the... Not gonna, it's no foot traffic. No one's just going to stumble on that. No, right? you're, you're not going to fall in there unless you literally make an appointment with yourself and, and check on a, a map app to find your way there. But once you do find your way there and you go through that door, you're going to be impressed with everything you have inside. Pinball machines from the 1950s that you can play and they're still operating. And when you enter this museum, you know, one of the unique things about this place is you can really play any of the pinball machines that are there and set up. You know. Yeah, it's like $10 and you can play all day. Exactly. I mean, where else are you going to get something like that, you know, for entertainment and education at the same time? Because you're going to learn about the history of these machines. They've got some really collector's items in there as well. Fantastic place that a lot of people never heard of. I've been to a lot of local museums, but I've never been to the CB Museum in North Kingstown. Tell us what uh, is in there. Well, that's another one that I think, you know, it's one of those examples. You drive down Route 4 and you see that sign that says CB Museum, but you never think to stop in. Maybe you've been to Quonset Point. Maybe you've seen that big giant CB that is the logo of the CBs. Yeah, describe that. It's well, a, it's, it's a it, big B. It, it's a B that was actually designed by a guy from North Providence who was in the CBs back in the 1930s or 40s. And, you know, had a skill of, of drawing, so he was invited to submit a logo or patch that they would use in, in the military branch. And he created that and it was approved in, in uh, Washington and became their logo. But it's this B and in all the arms you have, you know, the hammer and the wrench and the machine gun because they were a construction battalion, CB, where they got their name. But they were also fighting, you know, they had to fight off enemies sometimes while they were building, you know, a runway someplace on an island in the Pacific. It's a great museum, and there's a lot of surprises there, too. I mean, I think a lot of people might be familiar with the Seabees as a unit that did a lot of work in the Pacific in World War II. People don't understand the Seabees are still in operation today, right up through the current conflicts that the United States has been involved in. They've been involved in building and doing what they do. They were very instrumental in Vietnam, for example, as well. Oh, that's interesting, because, yeah, I always think of them as World War II, but you're saying they've been in every war just about? 
Yeah, and even in World War II, they were active in the uh, landings in Normandy in putting together some of the uh, piers that were set up on the beaches over there in order to get larger equipment delivered to the beaches. So it wasn't just the Pacific. It wasn't just World War II. They've got uniforms. They've got equipment that's been used. They've got a number of Quonset huts, a small military-style building that took its name from Quonset Point. So there's really a lot to be seen and discovered, I think, at the uh, CB Museum. So I remember going to Slater Mill when I was a kid on a school trip. But for those who haven't been there, tell us why that site in Pawtucket is so significant. Well, if you haven't been there lately, I don't think you've been there because they've recently been taken over by the National Park Service. And the National Park Service has really elevated the game, so to speak, the uh, programs that they offer there, the information that they've been able to compile and and deliver to people. That's a uh, you interviewed forest rangers, right? Or not, not, yeah, exactly, the, exactly. The I mean, and and they're very well educated. I mean, these are some of the you know, best historians I've met in my line of work throughout the years. They're not just there, you know, to guide you through a place, but they really know the history of the place, of the family, of the community. There was once something called a Cotton Centennial that was a, a like a World's Fair almost that took place in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Hmm. And that, you know, was taking place on the 100-year anniversary of the Slater Mill starting up and what they did for cotton and the textile industry that grew up all around the area, eventually all around the country. And I know that the dam right next to it was built first besides the mill, right? Is That's why the mill is there on the Blackstone River? Right. The, the river was a source of power. The dam was built, you know, to harness that power, if you will, so that they could control the power and one run water through the mill to generate power through wheels and everything. And that powered all the equipment that powered the mill. And right next to the mill was sort of a uh, another uh, mill building where a lot of machines were made, like a machine shop, because you couldn't have a mill without machines. And that's and still there, right? That's still there as well. And that's open to see and experience and, and discover some of that history. And, you know, it's it's all right here in our backyard. A lot of tourists will be heading to Newport this summer. So tell us what they could see at the Elms, for example. Well, you know, if, if you happen to see the, uh, the series on HBO, you'll see familiar sights at the Elms. You know, the, the basement cooking area is, you know, played a large role in, in the filming of that series. And, but th that's just a piece of it. I mean, I, you'll learn stories about, you know, the people who lived in these places and, and some of, you know, what was going on in society at that time. You know, the, the uh, main ballroom at the Elms, I'm told, is where the Newport Historical Society founded their organization. And it was founded back in the uh, late 50s or early 60s. And uh, President Kennedy's wife, Jackie, was there Huh. and played a, a key role. You know, she was a big supporter of, of preserving the history in Newport and, and wanted to put her support behind an organization like that that's grown into taking care of a number of the mansions in Newport now and preserving that history for all of us to see. And I see you also go to museums in nearby Massachusetts, right? What are some of those sites? One that people might not think about is a place like the Carpenter Museum in Rehoboth. The Carpenter Museum has a, a lot of interesting history going on there, from some Revolutionary War pieces to pieces that go back to King Philip's War. 
I mean, Rehoboth is a community that's one of the older communities in the area and before Rhode Island and Massachusetts and an area, you know, referred to as Old Colony. So they have that that sort of history there. You know, they have some some old weapons from those areas. But one of the other exhibits that I found interesting was they had an exhibit about women's baseball. Hmm. And and maybe you've heard of the series or seen the movie A League of Their Own. Oh, sure. Uh, one of the women portrayed in the film was a woman from Rehoboth. You know, they started playing baseball uh, because they thought women could play too, and why not? And then when they needed more sponsorship, they moved from Rehoboth to Darlington in Pawtucket because the Pawtucket newspaper, I believe the Times, was sponsoring the team at the time. Good enough reason. Yeah. And, and, and so they moved to Pawtucket. And when World War II broke out and so many of the ballplayers, the men, went off to war and, you know, they were experimenting with a women's league. They looked to places like the Darlington team of women, and a number of those women went on to play professional baseball. Oh, I didn't know that. That story can be told through the uniforms and the gloves and the balls that are on display at the little Carpenter Museum. It's a little tiny house that if you weren't looking for it, you might not see it. But it's worth looking up. It's worth, you know, finding a path to a place like that and spending a little time there. So what museum are you heading to next? Oh, there's a place in Massachusetts that we've got our eyes on called the uh, Willard Clock Museum. And huh. I'm fascinated with that because they, the mechanics of preserving these old clocks, we all have digital timepieces now and digital watches and the old clocks that work on mechanics just, you know, are falling into history. But this is a place that preserves a lot of those clocks and they keep them functioning and they repair them, you know, for the collection that they have. So I'm, I'm looking forward to going to a place like that. Another one that we just visited that will be coming out in season four, which will be on Rhode Island PBS this fall, is a place in Connecticut, in Groton, Connecticut, called the Lyman Allen Art Museum. Huh. And it's a place in Groton, not far from the Coast Guard Academy. Oh, and yeah. a lot of people never heard of it. They have no idea it's there. But if you go in there, they have a collection of fine art that rivals a place like RISD or any other fine art museum. It's really a tremendous collection. It's a short ride away. Yeah, how did it end up there? Just local yeah. people, you know, from the whaling industry, uh, yeah. local families, local benefactors decided that they wanted some culture in their community and, you know, started an endowment to put a museum there. So where, where can people see these episodes about treasures in the museum? Well, they air regularly on Rhode Island PBS, so you can see them. And usually when the season is running, it runs on Friday nights. But you don't have to wait until the fall to see these shows. They can be seen anytime they live on the Rhode Island PBS website. You'll see a little icon for treasures inside the museum. Click on that, and you'll be able to visit over 40 museums right there. All right, Jim, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. And if you like the podcast, do us a favor. Follow the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.
Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org slash passport. That's ripbs.org slash passport.